1 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, verse 7, and I'm going down to the B part of verse 7. It says, uh, if you'll look at that third line, for indeed Christ. Everybody say, for indeed Christ. Our Passover was sacrificed for us. Then look at verse 8. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Now, Paul is speaking to New Testament believers but he's referencing an Old Testament principle. You remember in Egypt, all of the Israelites were told by Moses, the death angel, the final plague, the plague that God's going to send that releases you from Egyptian bondage is going to come through the land. Death is going to visit every house. But if you'll take a lamb and you'll kill it, and you'll take the blood of the lamb and put it on your doorpost and your lintel, the death will pass over you. So Paul reaches back to that principle and that happening, and he says to Christian believers, Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. Christ is the thing that caused death and destruction, sin and guilt and judgment to pass over our lives because he was sacrificed. If you've ever been forgiven of a sin, you ought to lift up your hand and say, thank you. Every time you see a cross, a thank you ought to just leak out of your heart because the cross of Jesus Christ and the blood he shed is what makes guilty sinners righteous. It's what redeemed us from the marketplace of sin and death, and it's what secures our salvation and eternal, eternal place in heaven with God. And though our sins made us stained and filthy, his blood, our Passover, washed us white as snow. And it did just that. It made all of the things that we deserve pass over us. Some of us would have been dead and gone, but we got connected to the blood of Jesus. And in spite of our flaws and our failings and our mistakes, in spite of the things that we knew to do wrong when we should have done better, we knew it was wrong when we did it, but the blood of Jesus caused it to pass over us. He said, Christ, hallelujah, hallelujah, is our Passover. He was sacrificed for us. And he said, therefore, in verse 8, let us keep the feast. Let us keep the feast. Everybody say, keep the feast. Look at your neighbor and say, keep the feast. Now, let's go to Proverbs. Guys, I'm right now going to my notes that I give you. Go to Proverbs chapter 25. Glory to Jesus. Thank you for causing it to pass over me, Lord. I don't know about you, there have been so many things that he made pass over me. Many dangers, toils, and snares, but he made it pass over me. There's been things he made pass over my children. They didn't even know enough to call on him. They weren't developed enough in their minds or maturity to call on him, but he made them pass over my children because I had faith in him. He made it pass over. Oh, thank you for making it pass over. Oh, thank you for every mess I was in that you made it pass over. Thank you for all the times I deserved to go all the way down, but you made it pass over. 
Glory to your name, righteous God, glorious Savior. Thank you for making it pass over. We give you glory in the house this morning, Jesus. We give you praise for the cross and for the blood that washes and cleanses us. We give you praise for the blood that makes destruction in the enemy and the plans of the evil one pass over us. You don't have to tell your neighbor your whole testimony and your whole story. Just take them by the hand, look them in the eye, and say, it passed over. It, it pa I'm here because it passed over. I'm still alive because it passed over. I survived because it, it passed over. And the only thing that made it happen was Jesus. It wasn't some mystical light in the universe. It was Jesus. It was the cross. It was the blood. It was the nails. It was the whipping post. It was Jesus. See, what's happened is different people in different sections are thinking about something that passed over. And we know it was the blood. We know it was the cross. We know it was his sacrifice. Every now and then, you ought to just let yourself get a little lost in it. Thank you, Jesus. paid it all, all to him I owe, sin had left a crimson stain, he washed them white as snow. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty Stains, lose all 
guilty stains and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains the dying thief rejoice to see that fountain in his day and there may i though vile as he wash all my sins One thing you ought to never fall prey to as a Christian is condemnation. Because anytime the enemy brings up condemnation, you need to remind the enemy of the cross. On the cross, Jesus paid it all. Some of us were in a little bit of debt to sin. Others were in a lot. But no matter the amount of your debt that you were in, on the cross of Jesus Christ, Jesus paid and you ought to sing about it even if you can't sing. You ought to sing about it and worship him for it even if you can't sing. This is the one time of year you ought not let anybody shut you up or look at you crazy because of the sound of your voice. When you think about the goodness of Jesus going to the cross, settling the debt, paying it all, it ought to make you rejoice. It ought to make you sing. It ought to make you shout. It ought to put power in your spirit. Glory to God. Glory to God. I need to teach a few very simple principles because there's so much more to the beautiful season of Passover than just the forgiveness of our sins. There's something that God does every year during this sacred season. And I want you to be aware of it because if you're aware of it, you can experience some marvelous things, more than just salvation, some marvelous things. First of all, let's look at a little bit of the mystery of it. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2. I'm reading out of the international or the new international version of the scripture. It says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, to search out a matter is the glory of kings. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to search it out. And I'll go to Isaiah, Isaiah 55. 
verse 6. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Father, thank you for your word today. Bless us in this beautiful anointed atmosphere. In Jesus' name, please take your seats. If you can take notes today, I encourage you to do it. We'll have some of the stuff on the screens. If you would like to take your phone out and take a picture of the screen for the sake of time as the notes come up, you are welcome to do that. Nobody's going to bother you. What's important to God must become important to us. The festival of Passover is of ultimate importance to God. Look at Leviticus 23, 1 and 2. Leviticus 23, 1 and 2. Look at, uh, yeah, okay, verse 2. The Lord said to Moses, verse 2, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, These are my appointed festivals. The appointed festivals of the Lord, which you are to proclaim as a sacred assembly. God is speaking here and he's saying, I want my people to observe my festivals. Now, I hate the word festival because in our society today, we link all kind of uh, understandings and definitions to that word. But there in the Hebrew, the word festival means appointed time. Everybody say appointed time. Same chapter, Leviticus 23, go down to verse 41. Leviticus 23, verse 41. It says, celebrate this as a festival or appointed time to the Lord for seven days each year. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Celebrate it in seven months. He was talking about the three times a year that we set aside about a week of time and focus our attention and our affection on God. The three times a year are Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. The most holy and reverent of those being the Passover. The Passover has always been God's appointed time of deliverance. If you're going through anything in your life right now that you need to be delivered from, God wants to deliver you during the Passover season. Why was it so important to God that his people celebrated this as a lasting ordinance and that they did it forever? Well, as we spoke about just a few minutes ago, the Passover in Egypt, when God said to apply the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and the lintel, and I'll make death pass over. 
God said to celebrate it forever because the lambs that died in Egypt were actually representing what Jesus would do for us on the cross. God, who exists outside of time in eternity, was unfolding his plan of redemption in time. He was forecasting how he was going to redeem the world. Ecclesiastes 3.15 explains this activity from God. If you'll put Ecclesiastes 3.15 up there, it said, whatever is has already been, and what will be has been before, and God will call the past to account. In other, in other words, through the Passover in Egypt, when those lambs were slain, God was making the past testify the gospel of the cross of Jesus Christ, that someone could be saved by taking shelter up underneath the blood of an innocent one. So the Israelites in Egypt didn't know that those woolly little quadrupeds in Egypt represented the blood of their Messiah, but God did. So every year when the Jews celebrated the Passover, they didn't know it, but they were actually pointing forward to the cross, forecasting about the redemption that was coming. In the New Testament, every time we celebrate the Passover, we're pointing back at the cross, remembering what Christ did that secured our salvation. The whole Old Testament points forward towards the cross. The whole New Testament points back towards the cross. Because it is what Jesus did at the cross that caused judgment to pass over us. And it is no accident that the Jews had been commanded by God to celebrate the Passover every year. And they had been doing it for 1,600 years. And 1,600 years after that first lamb died in Egypt, Jesus Christ died on the cross the very night of Passover. And in the month of Aviv what we call April, God has commanded us to take time out and observe the cross, focus on the cross of Jesus Christ, and focus on the beauty of our salvation, and celebrate, like Paul said, keep the feast of Passover. There's some simple commandments here that you may not have heard about before. Some of you have, but I want to share them with you. It's in Exodus 23, 14, and it concerns the feast of the Lord, or the appointed times of the Lord. God said three times a year you are to celebrate a festival to me. Remember, the word festival means appointed time. The word celebrate there means praise, worship, and observe. Everybody say praise, worship, and observe. He said three times a year you are to praise, worship, and observe an appointed time to me. Do you see how we put all that together? Three times a year, you're to praise, worship, and observe an appointed time separated out from me. Verse 15, celebrate the festival of unleavened bread. It's also called the Passover. For seven days, eat bread made without yeast as I commanded you. Do this at the appointed time in the month of Aviv, what we call April, for in that month you came out of Egypt, and no one is to appear before me empty-handed. Now, four simple commandments in these verses. Verse 15 gives the first one. Celebrate an appointed time to me. That word celebrate. You've got to show up to the house of God, praise, worship, and observe. 
So during the Passover, Good Friday night, we're all going to be here worshiping the Lord, praising the Lord, and observing the night that Jesus Christ was crucified for us and put in the ground and buried. We're going to be here in his house to praise, to worship, and observe. Why? Because that's the first commandment. He said, I want you to celebrate. I want you to do it at the appointed time. He said, celebrate it. Then number two, he said, for seven days, eat bread made without yeast. In other words, he put them on a simple fast, a minor fast. It wasn't a major fast. It was a minor fast. So what we're doing to honor this commandment is starting today until Easter, we're refraining from bread and sugar. If you want to do that with us, I encourage you to do it. It's part of the commandment of Passover is to put yourself on a simple fast to honor God, to give thanks to God, to pull back from yourself some things that you may enjoy so that you can focus your attention on him. Fasting sharpens your focus. Fasting is not a hunger strike against God. It's sharpening your focus and sacrificing something from your physical body for the sake of worshiping and honoring him. So again, starting today until after service on Easter, we are fasting from sugar, of all kind and bread of all kind. He said, eat bread, unleavened bread, as I commanded you. Then number three, he said, do this at the appointed time. Set aside a specific appointed time for it. For us, that's Good Friday and Easter. And then finally, number four, he said, no one is to appear before me empty-handed. In other words, he said, bring me a special offering. So every year our church does something called Resurrection Seed. Many of us start seven weeks out, five weeks out. We take one day's income a week and we set it aside. We sacrifice one day every week and we put it aside in our home, in our vehicle, whatever. And on Good Friday night, we bring that sacrifice to God. If we start seven, five weeks out, it'll be the equivalent somewhere around a week's income, a week's salary giving a large sacrificial seed to God to honor him and to thank him for giving everything, giving his life for us. Now, this commandment, this set of four simple commandments, show up, praise, worship, honor the Lord, do it at the appointed time, simple fast, and bring a special offering. To everyone who obeys those four simple commandments from Exodus 23, God releases seven guaranteed promises. Now, I'm about to read you the promises that are connected to the instruction. You will find in the scripture over and over and over again, wherever a miracle is needed, first an instruction is needed. And the instruction you choose to obey determines the future you create. So everyone who has just heard me read those commandments from the book of Exodus, I also want you to hear me read the commanded blessings for everyone who obeys it. It's found in Exodus 23, 20 through 29. Exodus 23, 20 through 29. I'll read it, and then I'll give you the, the promises that are pulled out of it. God said to them, see, to everyone who observes the Passover and observes the commandment, he said, see, I'm sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him, for he will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies, 
and will oppose those who oppose you. If that was the only promise, I would do it just for that simple promise. God said, I will be an enemy to your enemies, and I will oppose those who oppose you. Verse 23, my angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. I like that right there. Do not bow down to before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. Worship the Lord your God and his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you and none, none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive out the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites out of your way, but I will not drive them out in a single year because the land will become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. Here's the seven promises from those verses. Number one, God will give every person who observes the Passover commandments he will give them angelic assignment. Number two, God will be an enemy to your enemies. Number three, God will give you prosperity. Number four, God will take away sickness from the midst of you. Number five, God will give you long life. Number six, God will increase you. And number seven, God will give you an inheritance. Now, we could teach about all of those. I want to focus on number one, the first promise to everyone who celebrates the Passover, angelic assignment. Let's look at angels for just a minute. If you look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. It says, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? In the scripture, there are 11 categories of angels. I will mention them for your understanding briefly. There are archangels, seraphims, cherubims, holy ones, watchers, warrior angels, messaging angels, guardian angels, worshiping angels, throne angels, and dominion angels. The throne angels was so interesting to me when I was studying. There are angels created spiritual beings that never leave God's throne. They stand at the four posts of his throne and call out to each other 24 hours, seven days a week for all eternity. 
holy, holy, holy is the Lord. They're throne angels. They never move. They never do anything other than cry out the holiness of the Lord. And when you begin to glorify the Lord and say, Lord, you're holy. I worship you. Holy are you, Lord. You begin to sing the song on earth that the throne angels are singing in heaven. That's why sometimes worship leaders, when we get in a deep move of the spirit, worship leaders will say we're coming into the throne room. Why? It's because heaven and earth begin singing the same song and a portal opens where the presence of God fills wherever you are and you're in the room with throne angels. But every Passover, an angel is dispatched to guard and guide every person who honors God by observing those simple commandments in Exodus 23. Show up, worship the Lord, do it at the appointed time, go on a simple fast, and bring an offering. If you search the scriptures, you will find, and I thought this was fascinating, I really want you to get this. If you search the scriptures, you will find that the Passover is the changing of the angelic guard. Jacob saw this in a dream when he laid his head on the rock. He saw a ladder reaching from heaven to the earth, and he saw some angels coming up the ladder from earth back to heaven, and some angels going back down from heaven to earth. There's a changing of the guard, and heaven dispatches an angel to every single person who observes the Passover, and it does it every year. So every year that you observe the Passover, you get a new angel. Why? Because that angel knows what you're going to face this year. He knows what potential accidents you could get in. He has all the detailed intelligence, all the information. He knows if someone's going to try to break into your home. He knows if something's going to happen with your children. And every single year, an angel that's been in heaven with God comes to relieve the angel that's been covering you the previous year, and a new angel takes over and guards and guides you for the next year to the next Passover. And I want to prove this to you because that's a lot to say, so let's prove it in the Scripture. Go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. This is the first Passover that ever happened in Scripture. Adam and Eve had sinned. God told them in the day you eat or you touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in that day you shall surely die. Adam and Eve, you know, took the fruit, they ate it. But instead of killing them, God took two animals and God killed the animals in their place. So the judgment for their sin, you shall die this day. That was the judgment. God passed that judgment over Adam and Eve and onto those animals. And he passed the innocence of the animals onto Adam and Eve. And then God took the garments from those dead animals. He took their skin and he clothed Adam and Eve in the righteousness of the one that gave their life to save them. That's why you ought never fall. I'll say it again. You ought never fall into condemnation because when God sees you, he doesn't see you. He sees you clothed in the righteousness of the one that gave his life on the cross for you. He is our righteousness. We wear the robe of the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. But then as soon as God clothed them after that Passover was marvelous, Verse 22, the Lord God said, the man now has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. 
He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and also take from the tree of life and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. And he drove the man out and he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden cherubim, angels, and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, this sounds like a judgment. It was not. Man had fallen into sin. God did not want man who was now in a fallen state of sin to reach out and take the tree of life and live fallen forever. So after that Passover, he dispatched an angel at Passover to guard him from something that would damn him eternally because wherever there is a Passover, there is an angel. Now look at Genesis 22. We'll see another Passover. Genesis 22. I'll just paraphrase it. It's pretty popular. Most of you know it. God tells Abraham, he tests Abraham. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac. Take him up on the mountain where I'll show you and offer him as a sacrifice to me. So Isaac is going up the mountain. He looks at his daddy. He said, I see the wood and I see the knife. I don't see the sacrifice. Abraham says, God's going to provide us a sacrifice. Abraham lays his son out, brings the knife up, gets ready to slay his son, and an angel stops him and said, look over there, there's a ram tied up in the thicket. So the ram became a Passover sacrifice so that the death that was supposed to come to Isaac passed over onto the ram. But Abraham's hand was stopped by an angel because wherever you see the Passover, you will always see an angel. Everybody shout angels. Now let's go to the, to the Passover in Egypt where they put the blood of the lambs on the door in the lintel. Exodus 14. Exodus 14, 19 and 20. Exodus chapter 14, 19 and 20. It says this is right after the death passed over and they were being delivered from Egypt. It says, then the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them. Why? Because while, while Israel was exiting Egypt, the angel was leading them, taking them through the way. But then Pharaoh's army started chasing behind him. So the angel that was leading them out in front of them moved behind them to be a barrier between them and the enemy that's chasing them. And this Passover season, when you observe it, God's angel will become a barrier between you and the thing that's threatening you, you and the thing that's chasing you, you and the thing that's threatening you. It's what he uses angels for. Everybody shout angels. Joshua chapter 5, 11 through 15, wherever you see a Passover, you will see an angel. Joshua chapter 5, it says, the day after, y'all reading this with me? The day after the Passover, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread, roasted grain. Next verse. The manna stopped the day after they ate because they were eating food from the land. Next verse. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and said, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. 
Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? Next verse. The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. So, so for, for, for Joshua, now what I want to get into here is, it's important that this angel change every year at Passover because you're going to need some things this year that you didn't need last year. And according to the thing that you need, that determines what angel God sends. Now, Joshua is about to lead the children of Israel out of wandering in the wilderness into a military conquest. So he's not going to need a guardian angel or a guiding angel. He's going to need a warring angel. And look at the angel God sent. God sent the commander of heaven's army, heaven's highest ranking warrior angel in the military, and said, go stay with Joshua. He's going to need you this year. So whether you need healing or blessing or finances or whether you are in the fight of your life, God knows the angel to send to you and he will send it to you if you will simply observe the commandments of his word concerning Passover. But, Pastor Rico, that's the Old Testament. I can see the line Pastor Sides is drawing between angels and Passovers, but that's all Old Testament. If it's still true, and he's trying to teach it as doctrine, we ought to be able to find angels and Passovers in the New Testament. <laughs> Acts chapter 12. Go on there with me. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some belonging to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. And when he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread, otherwise known as the Passover. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing, over, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. And Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And the night before Herod was going to bring him to trial, the night... He was going to bring him after the Passover. So the night he was going to bring him out. What night was it? It was the Passover. The night he was, before he was going to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared. And he sh a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and your sandals. Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. And Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And it opened for them by itself. And they went through it. Now, Iron gates don't open by themselves. 
To Peter, it looked like the gate opened by himself. But it was the hand of that angel that God had sent during the Passover. Now, one more. Go to the New King James. Let me just give you this. It's just so interesting. Go to the New King James and go to John chapter 5. Just crazy verse here. You almost wonder why God put this in the Bible without explaining more about it. John chapter 5, verse 1. John chapter 5, verse 1. Remember our original scripture? The glory of the Lord is to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search it out. That's what we're doing this morning. We're searching this thing out. Look at this. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. If you do your history and digging, you'll find out it was the feast of Passover. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Why? Verse 4. For an angel went down at a certain time during Passover into the pool and stirred up the water. And then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. And this happened every year and they all knew it. That's why the, all the sick people was living and gathering around the pool. Why? Because wherever there's a Passover, there's an angel. Wherever there's a Passover, there's an angel. So you need to observe the Passover. It's the first promise of those seven promises. It's the first blessing that God promises to give you. And the angel's purpose that's dispatched during Passover is to guard, to guide, and to bring deliverance. Everybody say it with me. To guard, to guide, and to bring deliverance. I want them to pass out our prayer cards, our prayer request cards. They can, they can go ahead and do that. You can get on that piano. I'm almost done. I'm going to read <clears throat> these seven blessings again. And I know there are some deep needs in the room. You have some big things going on. And I want you, if, if something that you need falls into the category of these seven promises, like if one of these seven promises that God gives to people who observe those four basic commandments, if one of those hits you, I want you to write down what you're believing for. If you don't have one of these prayer request cards, raise up your hand. We want to send it to you. If you don't have one yet, just take them to the people that want them. If you don't want to participate, you don't have to. Just... Raise your hand if you want to fill out one of these prayer request cards. Amen. Amen. Now, what we've been doing for the last few weeks, we've been preparing to honor the Lord during this holy day, this holy feast of Passover. We're having a service Good Friday night and Easter Sunday morning. Both occur during the Passover. And... We're going on a fast together as a church, coming into unity. And then we're bringing God a very special offering. We're bringing him the best that we can. The best that we can. If you don't have a resurrection seed envelope, 
an envelope for your special offering to bring on Easter or Good Friday. Would you raise your hand? If you don't have one of those yet, I gave them out a couple of weeks ago. If you need a resurrection seed envelope, would you raise your hand? We have a couple here. If you still got yours, wave at me. Wave at me, all right, all right. What we've been doing is we've been putting aside every week, we've been setting aside a day's salary, a day's salary every week leading up to Easter with the intent, intent and heart to get as close to a week's salary as we can possibly get. To try to give God everything on the day he gave everything and to honor him. And we've seen some of the most beautiful miracles take place. This is the most anointed offering of the year. It's the most pregnant time in the heavens to sow into the kingdom of God and receive a miracle in your life. So I want to challenge you to fill that prayer request card out. Ask God for what you're believing for and receive those promises. Receive that angel. Receive that healing. I will take sickness away from you. Receive that deliverance. Receive that increase. Receive those blessings upon your prosperity and upon your strength and upon your family. And uh, I just want you to I just want you to fill this out. Everybody got one? You still waiting on one? All right. All right. I'm going to read these again. And as, as he plays, I just want you to be sensitive to what you need from the Lord, and I want you to write it down. Four simple commandments. He said, show up, do it at the appointed time, go on a simple fast, and bring me a special offering. If you obey those four commandments, these are the promises. God will assign an angel to your life. God will be an enemy to your enemies. God will give you prosperity. He'll release it over your life. God will take away sickness. Maybe it's not you. Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe you want God to take away a sickness in your family. God will take away sickness. God will give you a long life. Verse 30, sixth promise, God will increase you. And number seven, God will give you an inheritance in your life. And we believe that. And we believe that. Stand to your feet. I charge you in your faith today to go on this fast with us. No bread, no sugar till after Easter. I charge you in your faith today to be present with us at our corporate prayer service this Friday night and then next Friday night to be with us for Good Friday as we worship the Lord and to be with us on Easter and to bring a special resurrection seed offering on Easter. Hold it until either Good Friday or Easter. Don't bring any of those envelopes before then. And I want you to take your prayer request and put it inside that resurrection seed envelope. I want you to pray over your request. I want you to pray over your seed. And then when you come, bring it in faith and watch God's miracles explode in your life as you honor the Passover and give God glory for his redemptive work on the cross. Amen. Everybody lift up your hands. I pray the blessing of the Lord upon you right now in Jesus' name. I pray the strength of God over you right now in Jesus' name. I pray that you would be filled with the hope of his calling, 
and with the hope of his promise. Lord, I pray that you would anoint them as they pray. I pray that you would anoint them as they seek your face. Show them what to ask for. Show them what to seek. And bless them in every endeavor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you today. If you have an offering you would like to give today, you can bring it now. Otherwise, you're dismissed. We love you so much. We'll see you Wednesday night. Thank <laughs> you.